Welcome to Hookah Chats with Matt and Ethan, a podcast where two friends catch up and talk about whatever nerdy stuff comes to mind, usually over hookah. Enjoy. See, and I I hear all that. The only thing is, it, I want to, I'm one of those guys, if I can't see it, touch it, talk to it, taste it, I, I don't believe in it, right? Sure. But I also have been thinking about this. I've been thinking about light and electric. Well, I'm going to be an electrician. So I've been thinking <laughs> about like, what is electricity? You know, people always, people always think about what can you do with electricity, mm-hmm. right? Oh, it can power a generator. It can turn on a light and cook my food. People think about what you, all the different things you can do with electricity, but they don't really think about what it is, right? right. Well, electromagnetism is one of the fundamental forces of reality right and what all i'm trying to illustrate is i believe that reality is perception perception and so what i was trying to illustrate with the light example is you know what the electromagnetic forces that are out there that 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 create that are light right they don't really have any color they're blank like everything Mm -hmm. external to your brain isn't really there until you observe it Right. Mm-hmm. And we've been able to prove this. Did you ever hear of the double split or the double slit uh, experiment? Say more about it. Say more okay. About it. So it, it's a, it was an experiment conducted in the early 20th century where they shot an electron through uh, a barrier that had two parallel slits to it. And on the back of the behind it, they were trying to determine like which which hole the electron went but instead of seeing like a a, a, like a like a bullet hole in the paper behind where they were observing it was like fuzzy right Mm. so they kind of understood that electrons function both as a particle because it is Mm. an actual thing it is a piece of matter it is a piece a fundamental piece of of matter Mm -hmm. that Mm -hmm. can't be further reduced into anything else it's a part of a of an atom right but it doesn't behave that way until you observe it, right? And whenever it was going through the slits, because we weren't observing it until it was at the back, there was no way to determine which path the electron had chosen. Mm -hmm. Hence, we had this fuzzy kind of wave function, right? Mm -hmm. So then they put the detector for where they were to detect the electron at the point at which it passed through the slits. Right. Mm-hmm. And once that happened, instantaneously, all that fuzzy stuff on the back disappeared and you got these bullet points, these bullet holes. Right. The point is, until you observe the electron, it didn't exist. It could have been one of anything. It could have been anywhere. And this is real stuff. This is this is real quantum physics. This isn't like, you know, philosophy this isn't something i'm making up or my opinion on something like this is actually they actually did this right Mm -hmm. and it can be replicated in a laboratory today it matters when you observe the thing for it to become real now if that's possible at the fundamental level uh, uh, in particle physics that's possible anywhere and it means what it means is that our consciousness our observation our experience is intrinsic to the natural order of things. It's, it's not outside of it observing it. 
It's part of it. It mm-hmm. causes it to be. It brings it into being. Mm-hmm. Right? Mm-hmm. So, with a ghost, if you're, if you're consciousness calls that thing into your reality then it absolutely is real to you you know the question is is it real to everyone <laughs> so i wouldn't call your mom right. a liar i wouldn't no, say I know. You, didn't see it. you know i would say oh, we don't have a shared reality and and you know i think that that is important and and i and i like that i like this a ton i think that it 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 raises some interesting questions. So let me start with this. Um, Maximus the Confessor would agree with you. Maximus the Confessor, mm-hmm. a, a part of his metaphysics is what's called a logos metaphysics. And so a logos is the Greek word for word. Um, and, and in Christian theology and in ancient sort of different ancient pagan philosophies and stuff, um, the logos uh, is sort of the, the kind of intellectual functioning principle of, of all of existence and all of the cosmos. By the time Maxus the Confessor, you know, in the sixth century starts working with it, Maxus the Confessor uh, would want to talk about how um, the Logos with a capital L, which, which is just Jesus Christ for, for the Confessor, um, because the scripture teaches us that all things are made in and through the God's word, Jesus Christ, Maxus the Confessor, you know, kind of comes to the the conclusion that that all of existence is fundamentally conscious and corresponds conscious with God's consciousness, which is the logos, and corresponds to logos with a lowercase L in all created beings, and so um, there is a sense in which. Uh, uh, the logos in order to make calls forth the perception of lowercase logoses in all all beings in order to not only to be but then to see in the being and so um this notion that that so so what these particle physicists are discovering with all of this max as a confessor would be like yeah like 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 he'd be like yeah of course like like Consciousness corresponds to reality, like like that's that is essentially what Maxus the Confessor is talking about in in his in his metaphysics. And so, like, there are theologians and philosophers that I already see a kind of a, a jiving. Is it perfect? No, it's not perfect because it's two different forms of understanding things. But but at the same time, there's there's an interesting jive there. I I think that for me, the I, I, I want to. And maybe this is a, just a confessional thing for me too. Maybe it's not real, but I, I want to be able to speak of a shared reality. Sure. Um, whether that's uh, 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 a sort of the physical shared reality that that even though reality is about perception, or in the sociology, like Peter Berger, the sociologist, would talk about the social construction of reality and things like that, which is to say, reality is about perception even if that's true, isn't, isn't the pen real, you know, like, like, isn't, isn't there really a pen, even, you know, even if there are 20 perceptions of the pen that we can't prove are the same, like, is the pen real? And like, for me, I, I think that 
Um, yeah. Right. Like that's why I think the answer is yes. But, uh, but yeah, I don't know. I don't know if, if for me, I'm, I'm, you know, I don't have enough scientific knowledge to back up any of that, but I, but I, I want to say it is for moral reasons, you know, right. and I want to say it is for, for, um, reasons that say it is good and important to care for physical material needs of people. Sure. Um, which I'm, I know you're not, it's not that you're not, it's not that you're denying that. I think that when we begin to sort of see existence as, as, as fundamentally intellectual, like it's all kind of in the consciousness and, and, and outside of it, there is, there is, it's all consciousness with no remainder. I think that becomes tricky because even that is something that we cannot prove. You know what I mean? Well, all I'm trying to, and all, all I'm theorizing is that consciousness isn't an outside fact. It's as it's as intrinsic to creation as anything else. I see what you're saying. Um, yes. So, so like, think about think about a, a, a biome, right? Like you you think about a, a habitat, you know, an Arctic habitat or or a jungle habitat. All the different creatures, all the different things that exist there, the plants, the animals, they all depend, they all relate to one another to create that biome, right? Mm-hmm. The earth itself is a biome, right? Yeah. Well, every little, every little piece, like your human body, you've got, you've got, you know, bacterium in your gut that are doing their own thing that, that could care less what you're, what you're doing with your, with your life outside, because they, 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 they deal with the other bacterium in your gut. But the point is they all work together. They all Mm-hmm. work in in concert for for life to exist right and they they have a sort of collective consciousness the earth itself like uh, you know it has ways of correcting things when they go wrong right we, we yeah, have too yeah. much oxygen in the atmosphere so we're going to put some more carbon dioxide into the atmosphere and things kind of level out like that's something we, we we noticed that whenever we had the pandemic how quickly uh the natural order of things started to return. Animals started running around, uh, skies cleared and people could see mountains in India where they had only seen smog for centuries for decades, you know, mm-hmm. like, so the earth has this way. Nature has this way of, of kind of bringing everything back to sorts. And I don't think that that's accidental. Okay. So huh. like, this is how, this is how I rationalize the existence of God. If huh. that makes sense. Okay, Mm -hmm. because because saying that everything just kind of works that way, uh, just by chance, is like saying it's like it's like saying a a tornado hit a junkyard and built a 72 Impala. Right. Like, it's just not (laughs) like it's just too incredible to be like completely random. Right. Mm -hmm. Now, I'm not saying God with a capital G, you know, as in the Christian God or the, the, the God of Methodism. But like there is the God of Methodism. <laughs> What's that? It's like the God of Methodism. I wonder yeah, what well, that is. The point is, the point is like it, it, we can debate, we can argue what the nature of that God is, but it's really hard to argue that there is isn't that force of creation <laughs> out. Yes. There, right. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so now th- now that leads me to my last final supernatural question. Okay. okay? 
I have never understood the concept of prayer. Sure. Okay. When I sit in a, in a, in a church and people do the collective prayer, I often sit there in silence just because I, I usually don't talk to myself. <laughs> and to me, prayer has always felt like talking to an imaginary friend. Now, we've established that I do not believe that God is imagining because sure. perception is reality. We all mm -hmm. experience things together. Things are too complex and too coordinated to be random. Mm -hmm. I absolutely believe in the creator. But does he really talk to you when you pray? What's your, what's your position on prayer? Um, I'm going to just flat out answer the prayer thing. And then I kind of want to, want to say a couple more things, but we'll, okay. we'll get to it. Um, I think that the answer is, uh, yeah, I think God can talk to you when you're praying. And I think that God, uh, communicates in the midst of prayer and in the midst of, uh, times when, when there is an informal prayer. I think that prayer serves a, um, uh, 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 an important anthropological function more than it serves a, a sort of a theological function. What I mean by that is, is I think that prayer, and this might just be my, my Methodism telling me that it's all about becoming holy, you know, which I, which I think <laughs> is important. Um, I think that prayer is a transformative act. Um, uh, have you ever read a book called The Sovereignty of the Good by Iris Murdoch? Uh, no, I have not. <laughs> <laughs> Iris Murdoch. Iris Murdoch. I, I am not a learned man like you. I do not live in books. I, have, I feel the touch of women. I, you know, you know <laughs> just read books. Oh, you're right, you're right. Uh, uh, Iris Murdoch is a philosopher and a novelist uh, from Britain from the 70s and 80s and 90s. And I haven't read any of her novels. She's actually won some awards for her novels. And so they, they seem to be pretty good. But, but she's a trained philosopher as well. And she wrote, wrote this pretty short book called The Sovereignty of the Good, uh, where she, she just talks about goodness as a sort of, you know, transcendental, right? Like an intrinsically desirable thing that for some reason human beings like. And she's not really a theist, you know, so that's not really part of, part of her, her background. But, but in The Sovereignty of the Good, she offers a thought experiment about virtue, about how does a human being become good when, when they might not feel good. Um, and and she, the thought experiment she offers is, um, imagine there is a, uh, a young man who just marries uh, a, a young woman and the man's mother does not like her. Like, Whenever, whenever the mother encounters her, her new daughter-in-law, she is just filled with, you know, just ugh, like, oh, this, this woman is beneath me. This woman is got lousy manners. This woman is, is just not anybody I like. And that's her response. That's what she feels. Iris Murdoch uh, then says, well, imagine that this mother uh, endeavors to to feel differently and says, no, no more. You know, I'm, I, I must learn to welcome my new daughter-in-law as a part of the family. 
And what if the mother-in-law endeavors to replace whenever she has these feelings of disgust or just not really liking her? Uh, what if she endeavors to, to change them, not like force them into new feelings, but, but allow the thought to be uh, um, emphasized in a different way? And so instead of Iris Murdoch says, so whenever the mother-in-law says, oh, she's beneath my son, like she comes from bad parenting and she's beneath my son. What if the mother-in-law, whenever she thinks that and feels that, replaces that thought with um, uh, what a different group of life experiences has, has my daughter-in-law had, you know, right. <laughs> And, and she offers all of these things, you know, the, the ways to change the, the kind of thinking. And Iris Murdoch says, would not after a certain amount of time, um, the feelings change too? You know, like, like after enough sort of retraining towards virtue, after enough sort of, 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 of re, you know, uh, endeavoring to change the way we think about somebody, would we not come to new feelings and come to a new uh, way of being trained to be good? And Iris Murdoch says, I, I think we would, because I think that happens. You know, I, I don't think Iris Murdoch isn't describing a fantastic thing that never happens. Like, um, where was I going with this, Matt? <laughs> Fuck me. Well, I have a comment about it. Let me let me interject sure. while you while you Go collect yourself. Go well, um, she would be making a conscious decision then. Yes. To change her perception. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Right. Which, again, is sort of what I'm talking about when it comes to consciousness forming reality. Right. That's right? where I was going. That's where okay. I was going with it. Good. Um, that would be what, what I might consider a kind of secular version of what prayer might do. Okay. Uh, perhaps. Perhaps. That, that part of part of uh, a, the proper function of prayer um, is to uh, connect with the source of existence, with, with our God, with the Lord, mm -hmm. with whatever, for the purpose of that kind of transformation. Um, inner peace, sure, but, but really it's, it's a, funda a fundamental, uh, what, what the, what the, what St. Paul would call a metanoia, mm -hmm. uh, a 180 degree turning around, you know, uh, mm -hmm. of, of, of a new life um, and prayer. And so in that way, prayer is not really about um, changing God's will. Now, if you talk to a, a, a Jewish person, they would say, don't listen to this Christian guy. He's talking nonsense, but, but, <laughs> but the Jews, but, but by and large, Jewish folks do not, believe that Jewish folks have a different collection of ways of talking about God and God's relationship to creation. Jewish folks don't have, don't have uh, some of the hangups that certain forms of ancient Christianity have when it comes to like a perfect God or, or a God who is sort of the source of all of creation. Like right. uh, many Jewish folks would, would say it's, it's a little trickier than that. Um, but, uh, but like for me, I, I think that prayer really uh, functions as, as a way for the human being to connect to the divine, to transform the human being. Um, I don't think it's really 
meant to be this kind of thing that that beseeches God to do something different than God was already going to do. I suppose well, it's not I'm, wishing I'm already... on a it's not wishing on a on a genie bottle. <laughs> no, it's not. Now, now, once again, this is an area in which I believe I am right, but it's also an area in which I have stepped a little away from a lot of what Christians have historically done. You know, right. and and so I I think that there is uh, lots of room for for give and take and and for a, for fights on among my my colleagues on this. <laughs> um, I think that, like, for example, this is an area, like I alluded to, this is an area in which I have almost nothing in common with Jewish people. Um, I, I happened to, I, I had a professor this past semester who was a rabbi who I loved dearly, and it was a really great class. We spent a ton of time talking about Jewish readings of, of scripture and Jewish theology. And, and I find Jewish theology and Jewish readings of scripture really moving. But this is an area in which I just, I just, we just don't jive. Like, I just don't have you know, if, if I really thought God was, was, was not only, not, not just imperfect, you know, I have a different way of talking about perfection than like the ancient Greeks thought about it. But like, if I, if I thought God wasn't always very good, I would fucking not talk to him, you know, <laughs> like, <Right. laughs> I, would, I would fucking try to kill him, you know, like, like yeah. he would not be good. But for the Jews, like for, for much of Jewish theology and Jewish religious experience, that's actually not the point. Like, like the point is, is God for the Jews is um, faithful, but will occasionally be petty and cruel and fuck up. And, and during those times, you have every right to be like, fuck you, you know, Yahweh. <laughs> and and no, nah, you know, fuck it. You know, like we don't want anything to do with you. Um, did I ever tell you uh, uh, there's a, 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 a story uh, that was told among there's a, a Jewish rabbi named Fackenheim. Fackenheim is his last name, and he was in Auschwitz. Um, uh-huh. And and there is a story that he tells that that people are always like, was this a real story? And he swore up and down when he was alive that this really happened to him, where he was in Auschwitz and there was a, a group of he was a Fackenheim was a part of a group of young Jewish boys who were praying in the corner to Yahweh like like kind of out of sight of different people and they were just praying and there was a uh a jewish an old jewish man who, who ran in saw that they were praying ran in and said Shh, you must not pray so loud what if god hears you <laughs> and realizes that there are jews yet alive in europe yeah you know now now fackenheim interprets that madman as a faithful jew yeah. You know, not he, he did not lose his faith like that. That man, man, he's like, of course, there's a God. Look around us. We're suffering. <laughs> you yeah. know, God's not right. a dick, you know. <laughs> uh, and I just I, I while I like that, I couldn't you know, I couldn't have legitimate faith in that. Right. Right. You know. Good. I, I like. uh I just I, I I like the idea of of the supernatural and the paranormal just being um, expressions of consciousness that maybe we're not aware of. Okay, sure. that's uh, it's comforting to me that we all sort of if we if we take if we take consciousness the collective consciousness the greater 
consciousness, of, like I said, of the, of the earth biome, right? right? And we recognize that we're just a small part of that. Mm-hmm. We also recognize that we're, we're not um, all individuals. Like we're all part of the same yeah. thing, right? Mm-hmm. Just like the, the bacteria in your gut isn't aware of what you're doing when you're, when you're playing Breath of the Wild. Um, mm-hmm. But it, it's still doing its thing, right? It's still a part of the consciousness, the collective consciousness. And I feel like if if we if we kind of look at things that way, then there is no such thing as as death anymore, really. I see because we're just playing our part in in our in our collective consciousness. We may not be aware of all the other things that are going on. I may not be aware of the spiritual realm. The point is, we're all if you if you think of consciousness as part of of existence as part of reality rather than the observation of it then we're really not uh we we, no one really dies like we just we just go back into the collective consciousness right we we're just part of the machine right Mm -hmm. Uh, and the machine itself is is the reality so Mm -hmm. Well, and, and you know, Matt, like while, while I'm not totally prepared to go down that road with you and <laughs> for certain reasons, not, yeah. not bad reasons, um, there, there's a, a strain in uh, something like a pro- I, I know I shit on process all the time, but, but this is an area in which process thought, I think, speaks well to what you're saying, where, where one of the things process thinkers will say is that, r- remember, perhaps all what resurrection is, is memory. Yeah. And there is a sense in which if God can be understood as uh, perhaps the process or, or that, that which sort of woos the process, right, um, then, then part of what resurrection is, is the living, is, is the being living on in the memory of God, mm-hmm. um, which I think has, has some kinship to, to what you're saying. Yeah. I may uh, also explain why you're willing to run across uh, three lanes of traffic for your daughter. Something like may. we talked about last time, right? Mm-hmm. Like if, if we're all part of a collective consciousness that's greater than ourselves, we may not have the, the choice to do that. <laughs> yeah. That, I mean, that might be true. That might be true. There, there is a, there, there are reasons why I'm not, like I said, I'm not prepared to go down the, this, this with you in a full, full throated. Yes. Well, but that's why I, that's why I wanted to bring it up. Ah, <laughs> uh, yeah, but but I but I certainly don't find it. You know, I certainly don't find it to be the worst thing I've ever heard. Uh, right. <laughs> there are, like like, and for me, like I I can tell in my in a post January sixth world, I have mellowed out in certain ways. Where where like for for me, I, I I'm like, hey, like your ideology doesn't doesn't lead you to like you know want to want to murder Rwandans again, right? okay well then let's that's that's a good step you know like like i i i it's about fruit right like we've said that before you know what what is well these are just the these are just the sorts of questions that like pop into most people need mushrooms to have these kind of thoughts right i get them when i'm mowing the fucking grass so (laughs) yeah yeah. i'm I'm with what is electricity no but what really is it you know maybe 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 we need to richard dawkins are here he'd be like it cooks your food (laughs) no richard but what is it oh i see your question i see your question it maybe we need to maybe we need 
Maybe we need to have Joe on to explain the cosmos to me. She's, she's an astrologer, astronomer. She knows, she knows what to do with that. She's good at that. She's good at that. Yeah, I don't. I don't know, brother. I. Uh, I think this is a really good conversation. I think that. I. Uh, th- this is this jives a little bit with with stuff I'm thinking about in terms of like need, right? Uh-huh. Like it, it. You know, if if all beings are are needy. If, and if part of what we need, we get from all other beings, um, then there, that's another sense in which we, we sort of are together, like, like that and right. we, can't, we can't escape it. Uh, there's a, 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 an, a, an early modern Catholic philosopher named Nicholas of Cusa, who talks about, um, who says, all beings are within all beings right and that and that all what beings are are um concentrations of the of of existence and so if we imagine with gregory with with nicholas of cusa that the whole of all reality is um the kind of the kind of great singular line of the divine um all what creation is, is the line of the divine, the thread of the divine pushed together, you know, and, right. and kind of in this kind of concentrated way. And, uh, and so great, Nicholas of Cusa has no problem saying, yeah, like not only do I, I exist because you exist, but like found in, um, found in me is you and grass and tree and rock because that's just how it is because we are merely just the line constricted and, and concentrated, which I find mm. uh, very compelling. Bottom line, I am not afraid to stay in haunted houses. I will do it. I, uh, I think so, the yeah. government should tell us if they have aliens in Area 51. I, I think the government should probably tell us that too. And uh, I think uh, if, if, you, if you talk to God and he talks back, you need to see somebody. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. That that's something that I. Uh, you know, I'm fine with all of it. I'm fine with all of it. I really am. I really am. I I kind of go. Yeah, sure. I mean, whatever. Part of that is my thing too. Like it's it's both a mixture of my my life as a person of faith and and also what I what I'm into. Right. Like even mm-hmm. if I was into this even before I was a person of faith, and so if. If somebody was right. like, "Yeah, I, I, I had this experience where I, where I, I, I encountered the presence of God," I, I'd be like, "Cool, you know, like, <laughs> would I, would I believe them? I mean, probably not, but like, but I also wouldn't be butthurt about it." Well, like, when like you that. when you say believe them, I mean, that's that's the question, right? Like, do you believe mm. them literally to have seen Mary on toast? <laughs> no no but do you believe that they believe they saw mary on toast that's a different argument sure right sure that's different that's a different argument so like i don't believe in ghosts with a capital g but i believe people have seen ghosts because again i believe in you know the coke can in my hand but that's because my my perception tells me that it's there there's right. no reason to believe that your perception didn't tell you that there was a ghost in your room. Sure. 
No, no, I, I'm with <laughs> you. They're not all that different because actually the Coke can isn't there. Like it's it's only there because my brain tells me it's there. <laughs> right. There's a there there might be a collection of atoms and and things like yeah. that, but but there is no Coke can. You know, right. like Coke can is a mixture of symbols and language. Right. And I didn't say this in in the main episode, but this is this is why maybe around the 50s and 60s, there were philosophers in Europe that made a turn towards what's called semiotics, which is uh, uh, language. Uh, and right. they say, remember, existence is language. Like, like right. if, uh, which, which jives once again, really well with like obscure medieval or ancient Christian thinkers. <laughs> uh, the medieval thinker Bonaventure uh, in, in the 13th century uh, suggested that, that all of creation was a book. Right. You know, and 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 that it's a matter of reading the book, you know, and 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 that's how he understood things like science and things like all kinds of things, at least from a medieval perspective. Um, but but yeah, like like what is reality? Well, reality is constructed with language and 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 we think with language. We we are with language. We, we encounter reality with language. If we did not have language, then there really might not be anything to see, you know, except right. or, or experience, except for kind of a raw wave of sensors you know Energy, where, where, right. where we, we wouldn't be able to comprehend it, which i think is true so yeah. well there you go now you've got to edit <laughs> we'll figure it out i actually have the second half of our of our thing we did with backstreet hookah chat set for this sunday uh-huh. and then we'll, we'll get to that then i think the backstreet hookah chat episode came out well i, I put in so do i i listened to it thing. i listened to it right after you mentioned that it was up and, uh, yeah yeah i thought it sounded good and i i I put you know the music that we talked about in and then some some different things so worked out i thought cool cool ma'am you're gonna have to teach me how to do this stuff so you don't have to do it all by yourself i will it's not too complicated but i i can i can teach you that that's that's not a big deal i just want to try to alleviate some of your burden i appreciate it because i think you're doing a great job with it and if you want to keep doing it keep doing it <laughs> I, I can definitely keep doing it. it, it that's but, that's a non-issue. But yeah. But uh, do, yeah, do we, we have any? Do we have any idea of like how many people watch this or listen to this or anything? I'd have to look. Like I can tell you. I can tell you the answer to that. I, I just haven't. I haven't looked at the analytics because I know Chuck's been listening to it. <laughs> I know that. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and I know that that Nick and Jory listen to it. Oh God. Um, they have whatever. They have a good time. With guys it. are probably like Jesus Christ. <laughs> oh, no, no, no. They're fine. They're fine. You don't say it. Trust me. They they encounter far far stupider people, for far <laughs> different for far different reasons of their stupidity. That's always what I say. You know, like nothing can. You, you're not. Your question wasn't. I have a supernatural question for you. Who was my guardian angel? You know, like, like you, you didn't ask that. Be like, oh, geez. <laughs> you know briefly uh you know so like if i were to say god is not magic what all i mean by that is is that the stuff that god does because i believe god does things in the world like i i really do i but but i would say that the stuff that god does does not violate um uh uh the the created order uh, uh, so it doesn't violate so God that. or the devil. So that what you're saying is if, if, if books were flying off the shelves behind you, that that would not be God doing that because God wouldn't violate that. Is that what you're saying? 
yeah yeah there's a sense in which there's a sense in which uh you know we're, we're talking about something that is uh that isn't uh you know kind of divine it's not found in the divine realm now now here's the other thing so listeners the part that you're missing from this little quick thing is um the kind of thread of ancient christian history and christian history in general that it goes past a- antiquity uh of suspicion you know of of christian folks and 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 christian like clergy people like like encountering like witchcraft claims or like stuff like that with uh no you know like like, <laughs> like uh no i don't think that's true you know um and and it's and so like for example if somebody was like pastor pastor come quick the the scrolls on my shelf began to levitate there's a long history of christian you know practice that would that that would say no they didn't right they didn't you know <laughs> and if they did somebody is fucking with you right <laughs> no it's magic no it's not because there is no magic you know like, right. like and, and now now it's not that there isn't a, a tradition of like you know a belief in spirits or stuff like that but but remember like those things have much more in common with our conversation about powers and principalities and so like right. what do spirits do like well spirits do things that make sense in the kind of created order, right? And so the reason why I would say, like you said, so like God is sending us a sign by levitating these things. My answer is things don't levitate. (laughs) Ah, but God is making them do. No, he's not. Because God is not fundamentally uh, over and against the created order. The created order is like God. Right. You know, it's it's not sort of the other way around. It's not like there's creation and then there's a sort of alien God. God is not Cthulhu. God, God, there is a relationship between the two. And so uh, this is what prompts medieval theologians. I'm going to pick on Richard Dawkins again. Richard Dawkins, (laughs) Richard Dawkins has this absolutely, absolutely dreadful chapter in in his book, uh, The God Delusion where he talks about medieval theologians uh, asking, uh, you know, writing books about how many angels can dance on the head of pins. Right. And, uh, and, and he's just, you know, it, it's, it's the most dreadful, awful thing in the world because Richard Dawkins seems to fail to understand that, the, that medieval mathematicians ask that question. And the reason why it sounds theological to, to him is because the official stance of the medieval church was that mathematics was a theological language. You know, it was a, it, it was, it was actually the divine language. It was the language. And the reason why they thought it was the divine language was because they could use mathematics to like measure shit and like, (laughs) and like like, be like, Oh my gosh, creation is math. And then they go, yeah, that we must've discovered the language of God, which is frankly not that fucking far fetched. Like when yeah. you get right down to yeah. it, like, and yeah. and so when when Richard Dawkins is like, "What a bunch of fools!" They actually think angels existed. I'm like, "Wow, you've totally misunderstood the entire point of this question." Like, <laughs> yeah. uh, like how many angels can dance in the head of pins for medieval mathematicians was a possible question to answer because mathematics was the divine language, and so they could answer that question using math. I don't know how they did, and they ultimately didn't. 
but like <laughs> that was like their way of like praising God for that. Like right. the secrets of creation could be open. That it was there. That's why Bonaventure claimed that creation was a fucking book, <laughs> you know? <laughs> if only we could read it. Um oh God, what was I saying? Richard Dawkins always pushes it away. But yeah. <laughs> so um, when I think of God acting in the world, he, God acts in ways that are fundamentally non-magical, mostly because um, the, the integrity of creation, the way creation works, is not anathema to who God is. Right. And so how does God act in creation? Well, God acts in creation in the ways that, frankly, uh, most Christian churches claim pretty solid ways in which God acts in creation. God acts in creation by promoting health and healing and, and, mm -hmm. and, and the transformation morally of human beings and of the earth around him. Of, of, uh, of, uh, sometimes uh, we talk about the, the Holy Spirit, God's Holy Spirit, um, um, causing us to remember the dangerous memory of Jesus Christ. Mm -hmm. you know, in, in the, that, that's, a, that's a strong phrase in certain 20th century political theology. Where, where folks who are fighting for, uh, on behalf of the oppressed, they, they encounter God as filling them with the memory of the crucified carpenter, uh, of the one who resisted the powers and, and, and was killed for it, but was resurrected for it in the end and, and redeemed mm -hmm. for it. Even, even resurrection is not understood as this sort of magical breaking of, of, order right it's really not like resurrection is is read metaphorically to speak of god's um uh, of of the eventual full healing of life it's mm -hmm. read um even when it's read literally it's read in such a way that that in which we say uh perhaps death or at least the death that the powers of evil deal is not natural it, it's act it Perhaps, perhaps death dealt by Rome is is actually it is actually what is antithetical to creation, right? Because it is antithetical to God, right? Right. And so, for Jesus to be resurrected in the midst of that is not God sort of magically breaking the rules, but rather God saying, "No, Rome, you broke the rules, <laughs> right? And and right. we'll fix that." And so, if th this is important, because. Um, when we look at, say, the miracles of Jesus, we see the same thing. What is well, that's Jesus what I was going to ask you. I mean, if God, were, if God behaves in a natural way, how do you explain like walking on water or feeding 10,000 with a single fish and loaf or, or rise, raising Lazarus from the dead or, you know, mm -hmm. how do you explain all those? What, what, what's so, the point? What's the purpose of those? If it seems to be in, in contrast to what you're saying, the way God works in the world. Sure. Sure. Well, so like from this point of view, from the point of view that I'm saying and speaking through, uh, somebody might interpret um, the the miracles of Jesus in, in a sort of a literary way, um, which is what we all do as preachers. You know, as a preacher, I, I always interpret the miracles uh, literarily. And so, you know, as as the function they have in the narrative. Right. Right. Um, but if we were to interpret them sort of through this theological paradigm, somebody like, you know, my boy Gregory of Nyssa would, <laughs> would, who, who would 
subscribe to this paradigm that that creation is simply the finite uh, expression of theogony of who God is, and so and so math is absolutely a divine language. Um, Gregory of Nyssa would say would, would want to point to how each of the miracles of Jesus are miracles that restore the integrity of the created world. That mm. they are not they they they're not there to break the integrity of the world and they're also not there to put on a show right right like like the that would be kind of, so jesus feeds five thousand people because five thousand people are hungry and jesus does it not by raining you know uh fully formed food down from the sky or like going and then it bursts and it puffs up he does it by just sort of doing it like the crowd gives the food that they do have and somehow not through smoke and mirrors or magic, but somehow there's enough. And that's the miracle. The miracle is in the enoughness of the created world. That might be how Gregory of Nyssa would interpret some of this. And in fact, he would say that, that the times where things do get magical, it usually involves Satan. Like, like in, say, the temptations of Jesus, where, where mm -hmm. Satan takes Jesus and brings them up a mountain, you know, magically and, and, <laughs> and shows him all of the stuff. And, and like for Gregory of Nyssa, like that would be a, that would be a breaking of the, of the created order. That would be a way in which, in which uh, uh, all, perhaps all what a miracle is, is, is we catch a glimpse of creation fully restored. And right. that's the miracle, right? And not a uh, creation is going along and then, and then a supernatural thing happens. Yeah, then a right. magic thing happens, right? And and even like a healing, like like I'm okay with healings. I don't bank on healings. I don't sit around and be like, don't worry, God's gonna heal everybody. It's gonna be a great day. But like, but like I'm I don't even interpret a healing as a breaking of of the natural order, mostly because there are doctors who will tell you that wacky things like that happen sometimes yeah. anyway. You know, like, yeah. like that's not, that's not a, that's not totally outrageous that suddenly the cancer goes away. Why did the cancer yeah. go away? I don't know. Well, well, that's not, there's, we can't explain that. No bullshit. Like creation is not a machine, you know, <laughs> like, right. it happens. And, and just because you can't explain it doesn't mean it doesn't happen or can right. happen. Right, right. The show element, that's the other thing. So, so the kind of hard answer to the question is, um, if the books behind me started suddenly floating, it would not be God because A, it breaks the create, it breaks the, the rule. B, there, there is no moral uh, spiritual purpose for that. <laughs> C, uh, it's all a show. It's, it's a display of power. And there's only one being who likes to display power for it, the sake of it. Right. And that would be the dark one, you know, <laughs> like, <laughs> like that's, that's how that works. Right. Like, when Carl Bart was asked, uh, Carl Bart was asked in, a, in an interview, uh, uh, you know, Professor Bart, you know, is God totally sovereign? Bart's like, well, of course, God is God is a sovereign one. Ah, well, then God can God create a rock so big that even He cannot pick it up? It's an old mm -hmm. it's an old question. Right. And Carl Bart's answer to him was, "You are talking about the devil." <laughs> right, <laughs> like. like you uh, I, and he didn't side. He didn't sidestep the question. He was like, "The question is fundamentally flawed from the beginning." Yeah. You are asking. You, you are the being you're describing is the devil. Right. God, uh, 
a rock so big that God can't pick it up. What are you talking about? God doesn't whip out his power like a dick, you know, like that. <laughs> no. I can dig it, buddy. I can dig it. You mind if I, I sign like us it. off? Sign us off, buddy. All right, man. Guys, thanks for listening. It's been an episode of Hookah Chats with Matt and Ethan. We'll see you next time. <laughs>